friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. Hey, friends, and welcome to episode 92 of the podcast. Happy Valentine's Week, and I hope that you have been feeling the love of God and the love of those around you, and that you've been able to share that love as well. I am so excited for the next several episodes as we're going to be hearing from multiple incredible, strong women who are leading in the arts and are passionate for Jesus. Recording these episodes, I've just been so inspired and I keep getting more and more excited to get to share these conversations with you. If you haven't already, I invite you to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any of those episodes coming up and it helps other people find the show as well. Today's conversation is so good, you guys. There's like so much depth, so much wisdom, and I think you're going to love our guest. Her name is Cameron Cunningham, and she is the founder of Reverent Rhythms. Reverent Rhythms is a nonprofit that Cameron started as a junior in college back in 2018. Currently, Reverent Rhythms includes a school of the arts, a scholarship program, community programs, a professional dance company, and overseas missions. What I love is how Cameron led us into the behind the scenes of the beginnings of Reverent Rhythms and how she faced some serious challenges, including struggles with mental and physical health, a painful divorce, running a business during COVID lockdown, not to mention that she started this organization as a 21-year-old. I love her honesty with us and the hope that she brings through her story. We chat about things like what it looks like to live in true freedom the importance of focusing on relationships and investing in people in business and ministry, what it looks like to become a healthy leader, mentorship, comparison, and so much more. Get ready to be encouraged and inspired as you continue to live out your journey. Enjoy my conversation with Cameron Cunningham. Super excited to be here today with Cameron Cunningham with Reverent Rhythms. And thank you so much for joining me, Cameron. Yeah, thanks for having me on your podcast. Yes, it's super fun. Kaya introduced me to you and um, Kaya Kokos, who was on the, the podcast a little while back. I can link to her episode, but I talked to her and she was like, you need to meet Cameron. She's incredible. So just super excited that our paths get to kind of cross and connect today. So looking forward to hearing your journey. Thanks. Yeah. I'm excited to share. Yeah. So I guess, do you want to just introduce yourself to our listeners, just kind of brief intro, and then we'll get more into your story. Yeah. So like you just said, I'm Cameron Cunningham. I'm the founder and director of Reverent Rhythms, nonprofit performing arts company. And I originally grew up in Wisconsin, right on Lake Superior. It's pretty much Canada, Lake Superior, my hometown. And yeah, as far north as you could possibly get. And then I moved out to Grand Junction, Colorado uh, when I was 18, did not know a single person here and was planning just to get my degree and move somewhere else to go dance. But I ended up founding Reverent Rhythms while I was a junior in college. And eight years later, I'm still here. That's incredible. So cool. And also probably a bit scary in that moment of <laughs> like yeah, leaving everything <laughs> that you knew and going someplace completely different. So yeah, that'll be kind of interesting to hear more about that journey and how that experience was for you. But yeah, do you want to just take us back to kind of your early days and what got you into dance and your training and kind of those 
those years. That would be awesome. Yeah. So I grew up in, I mean, my parents put me in pretty much every activity under the sun. I did sports, you know, soccer, track and field, cross country. We did ice skating, horseback riding, music, dance, 4-H, whole nine yards. We were putting everything. Literally everything. (laughs) Yeah. And dance and horseback riding were kind of what stuck. And so I was put Mm. in dance when I was four years old and I was put in a ballet tap combo class and I actually ended up quitting tap because it made me too tired for ballet <laughs> was my reasoning when I was four years old. Love it. And then I grew up dancing in like a typical studio culture, did competitions, but I grew up in a really small town of only 8,000 people. So okay. we didn't have a competition team or anything like that. And so I ended up choreographing my own solos and just me and my mom would go to the competitions and I would just compete with solo entries And that is looking back is kind of where I started my love for choreography, Yeah, which is a unique opportunity because most studios who do competitions, you can't choreograph your own solo. You can't just go to a competition really by yourself. Right. They usually, you know, maybe the teachers choreograph it or something like that. So you don't typically get that. Yeah. Right. And yeah, so I just continued to kind of pursue dance at my local studio, but then also outside of my local studio. At one point, I was driving an hour and a half one way, four days a week to take ballet classes wow. at a professional school. Yeah, so I had a lot of unique opportunities growing up in a small town, but also there was kind of a disparity of professional arts there. So I had to look outside of that right. and ended up auditioning for the dance program at CMU, Colorado Mesa University here in Grand Junction, along with several other dance programs across the country and ended up getting a scholarship to Colorado Mesa, which is why Mm. I ended up coming out to Grand Junction. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was very much on the performance track, wanted to become a performer. And I would say that was kind of my goal more so because I wasn't really aware of other career options as much. Mm -hmm. And even with other career options, like you go and perform first before you start your company, you go and perform professionally before you really teach, you go and perform. And so performance was just the natural stepping stone for everyone. But I actually, uh, I have this condition I was born with called uh, hamstring snapping syndrome, Mm -hmm. which essentially the medial posterior tendons in my knees snap over each other violently every single time I straighten my legs. So any plie, any walking, anything yoga related, much less like developes, batmas, all of that. Yeah. And so I really had to like power through the pain for most of my performance career. And my last production at college, I went home in a wheelchair Oh man! and just had a lot of complications, which really made me think that I wasn't going to be able to perform Mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. And started leaning more into the choreography side and just discovered my passion for creating, for teaching, for directing, and wanted to start my own company. And then the Lord kind of worked on my heart when I rededicated my life to Christ when I was 18. He decided to take that dream of having my own company mm-hmm. and just gave me the vision for Reverent Rhythms, essentially. Cool. So, okay. That's yeah. incredible. And also I can see how that would be a pretty big, just like mental shift because like you said, I feel like that's pretty common growing up in dance that performance is like kind of elevated almost on a pedestal or seen as kind of the only option in a way, like you were saying. So I don't think you're isolated in that. I feel like that's pretty common. And yeah. So would you be willing to share a little bit behind kind of that faith journey and when you rededicated your life to Jesus and just what that looked like and how that shifted things for you? Yeah. So I grew up in a Christian household and, you know, 
pretty classic story. I came to know Jesus when I was five years old, and I think yeah. it was genuine to me at the time. I got baptized when I was eight, but I think, you know, you don't really make your faith your own until you do get a little bit older, even if you have genuine, innocent faith as a child, not right. to say that that's not real faith because it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as life goes on, you know, you have trials and tribulations and you start asking questions and you start doubting and you either start finding answers or, mm-hmm. you know, you walk away. And I completely walked away from my faith pretty much almost all of high school through the first semester of my freshman year at college. Okay. And yeah. just led a very different lifestyle, wanted to do it on my own, really didn't care about, you know, if God existed, if he did, I didn't really want anything to do with him. Yeah. And when I was 18, I I remember it was very, very vivid memory. I was home visiting for Christmas and I had been doing things my own way and it just wasn't working. And I was just in my car by the lake and I just pretty much had a breakdown and I was like, all right, Lord, like I'm ready to do it your way again. And he just very clearly told me, he goes, I have just been waiting for you, but it's not one foot in and one foot out. Ooh, yeah. Like if you're going to be one foot in or one foot out, then it's not worth it. And so I was like, all right, both beat in. And then I jumped full-time into ministry and pretty much like all my partying and like mm-hmm. everything I was doing to cut cold turkey and just uh 180 flip wow, um, in cool. that moment. And Yeah. So then that was kind of parallel with when I started going to school at CMU and started redefining what I wanted to do with dance and start my own company. And and that's when, again, he gave me the vision for Reverend Rhythms. Yeah. That is really beautiful and just super impactful as well. And I'm curious your thoughts on kind of that difference between what like the world perceives as freedom, you know, and just like going our own way, kind of like you're saying, versus what maybe would feel like I don't know, more restrictive, you know, following Christ, but at the same time, like, I guess you and I know there's freedom there. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on sort of the, this is totally off script, but the difference between kind of the freedom, the freedom that the world would be like seeking after, or that we tend to strive in, in our own strength versus like surrendering to God. And then that kind of freedom. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the freedom aspect that comes with walking with Christ and in obedience to Christ is that you don't have to fill that void with anything else. And that's good. Yeah. So when you're not walking with Christ, you're at least in my personal experience, you're constantly searching for something to fill Mm -hmm. what you're missing. And a lot of that is destructive behavior. And, Mm -hmm. and so you're looking to all these different vices to fill this emptiness and, when you are walking with Christ, you have that freedom where you don't need to be looking mm-hmm. for that extra, like that next fix, that next high, that next uh, endorphin release, whatever it is. Um, you yeah. have that security in who you are and where you are. And there is so much freedom with just being able to exist without that constant search for, again, that next high. Oh, that's super well said. Yeah. I was just kind of curious here because similar to you, you know, I came to know the Lord at a young age, like five as well. So kind of thinking about like what that looks like to really experience both in a way older and like able to recognize the difference and things like that is super cool. So thanks for sharing. I appreciate that. Yeah. So God gave you this dream for reverent rhythms and 
Do you want to just share what that was like? Was it like you knew the name and kind of all the things behind it or how did that start? Kind of. So it's funny because a lot of people asked me like, oh, how did you know you wanted to start Reverend Rhythms? Or like, what was the first, you know, yeah. thought you had? And it, I really started Reverend Rhythms out of complete spite, which um, <laughs> is not what you hear most people say like, oh yeah, you know, God downloaded this whole vision to me. You know, it's like with <laughs> much, much more reverence and awe. But no, I was just really tired of people telling me that I could not choreograph or do shows or teach or whatever from an inspiration of my faith. And Mm. I would get pulled into advisor meetings all the time at the college I was attending, asking if I was trying to convert people. Even if I wasn't choreographing a religious piece, I just kind of had that reputation, which I'm fine with having that reputation. Yeah. But again, and I do lots of secular work, even with Reverend Rhythms does a ton of secular work actually. And we'll get into Mm -hmm. that, but I wanted an outlet to be able to express my faith through the performing arts. And I, it wasn't even that there wasn't an existing outlet. Anytime I tried to do that, I was shut down. Wow. Yeah. I was just really tired of that. And that was again, right when God kind of shifted my focus of me starting a company that was mine versus starting a nonprofit that was going to be ministry-based. And so he downloaded I was just say supernaturally all at once, essentially, uh, the vision for Reverend Rhythms long term to have a school of the arts, community outreach programs, a professional touring company, as well as overseas missions and for it to be international. And that's what it is today, only four years later. Wow. Yeah. yeah which is crazy. That's so incredible. Yes. <laughs> but at the time I I was I used to be married and I was living at my now ex-in-law's house. I had no resources. I was a broke college student. I had just moved here. And so I didn't really have a whole lot of community support. I was really in an unhealthy marriage at the time. And so, and I had no professional dance experience. I had only danced at the college and like collegiately. Right. And so my resume was stacked against me, essentially. (laughs) And I knew some people. I had actually just met John Vanderveld, who is a, he used to dance for Ballet Magnificat for 30 years. He was one of the first five company dancers for them. Gotcha. He traveled and toured with them internationally, being one of their like head ministers, essentially, when they were on tour. He retired and moved to Grand Junction. And he was, he still is, but he was one of my very first board members. Oh, cool. That's awesome. I had gotten his number randomly at one of their performances. And then six months later, I text him and I'm like, hey, can we meet up for coffee? Because I have this idea that I want to tell you about. And he actually had to, at the coffee meeting, he had to ask me what my name was because he forgot. (laughs) He didn't even have it plugged in his phone. Like, we had no previous relationship or anything to go off of. And I told him my vision and he was like, all right, let's do it. And in the moment, I was like, oh, no, like, shoot, this is real. Like, we're going to do it. Um, And so God just sent me my board members supernaturally. Mm -hmm. There's really none of them that I met that it really, like, made sense for me to meet them. It was all very crazy. And so I had no experience, no resources, no money. I didn't even have, like, a house or a place to call Mm -hmm. my own. And I just had these four board members who were like, yep, let's do it. Like, we Mm -hmm. believe in the vision that God has given you. And we believe in your, really like your zeal to mm-hmm. be able to get it done. So we started with $5 donation-based dance classes out of an extremely ghetto church gymnasium. <laughs> and it was kind of like God gave me this huge vision of where we want to be, 
but what resources do I have right now? Right. Starting with where you're at. Yeah. Yes. And so we did maybe like three to four classes a week for eight months out of a church gymnasium to a demographic that could not pay for dance classes. Mm -hmm. And then we did three or four amateur showcases in the first year of like our, when we filed for our nonprofit, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. to really fundraise the cash to file for our 501c3 tax exempt status. So we cash flowed everything from the very get go because there's no way I would have qualified for even a business loan or anything like mm-hmm. it was again from scratch. Yeah. And even with a nonprofit, you know, it's kind of crazy, like what it does take to get it going as well. So yeah, that's a creative way of like figuring out how to do it Yeah, to get even started, which is pretty awesome. So yeah. So yeah. again, I had this huge vision, but I had no resources. And so we just, again, mm-hmm. started with those small dance classes, started with doing just like faith-based Christian theme showcases. So we did mm-hmm. themes. They were much more concert-based and like production storyline. Gotcha. Okay. I had other people choreograph. We had a 10-year-old in our first production. Like it was not, uh, they were all skilled dancers who wanted to share their faith through the performing arts. That was really the only tagline that we had. And so then we used that cash that we fundraised from those showcases to open up a bank account apply for a 501c3 tax exempt status. And then that was in 2018. Uh, And then in 2019, we opened up our first, like our first studio space in a 1200 square foot one studio space. We opened up our school to arts in September and we were shut down by March. Wow. Yeah. With COVID and everything. Yep. (sighs) And from my volunteer showcase dancers, I had four dancers who were a little bit higher skill level who really wanted to commit to go on tour to really share the gospel through the performing arts to do that production style vision I had for our shows stuff like that so in 2019 that's when we opened up the school of arts switched to that contracted professional company and started the whole thing but got shut down due to covid which did in the long haul did not slow our role at all that's cool yeah and so we've just grown substantially since then. Mm-hmm. And so now we are in a 10,000 square foot new facility that we just moved into over the summer. We still have our contracted company. We just finished our second touring season. Oh, uh, we have so our cool. school to arts. We have a huge scholarship program to uh, single mom households, low income families, kids in foster mm-hmm. care, kids with maybe one parent incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have community outreach programs with the Juvie Center, senior homes, after school programs, And then we started overseas missions in Africa last year. And so it has grown substantially and we're seeing lives transformed through the performing arts from our students to community members, to our staff, our professional company, audience members. And it all started with a dream with someone with no resources, just doing $5 dance classes. Wow. That is so encouraging. And just seeing what God can multiply, you know, and he can take something so small, kind of like the loaves and fishes and, you know, and bless it and multiply it. So, and just being faithful to put one foot in front of the other and like do that next step. So cool. Yeah. One thing that I'm just like curious about, because I know you mentioned it is the relationship that you were in. So did that start like pretty soon after you moved or? Yes. Yeah. So I met my ex-husband the my first semester, freshman year of college. And okay. so right away. And so we dated for about a year and then we got engaged and got married pretty quickly. And he was on the founding board of Reverend Rhythms oh, as okay, well. Cool. And so very much a part of the start of it and supporting that vision. So I graduated college in 2019, a year after we started Reverend Rhythms. Okay. And 
July of 2019, which just so happened to be the same month that we were signing the lease for our first space for Reverend Rhythms. So up until that point, we could have like dissolved Reverend Rhythms. We could have decided not to move forward with it. Like no, the community wouldn't have really noticed like that. Yeah. That July 2018 was really the hard launch of opening our school darts professional company, all of that. Gotcha. And yeah. 2019, uh, July, he just did not come home one night. Oh, wow. And then led to a separation and a divorce. And there was, uh, he was involved with someone else. And it was a whole mm. messy situation and heartbreak. But it wasn't just isolated to my personal life. It was very much overflowed into my ministry and business life because one, he was on the board. Yeah. And two, Again, he walked out on our marriage, but also on the ministry that we were starting together. And so my parents at the time, they when I called them and I was like, mm-hmm. he left. They're like, what do you mean? And this was a big shock to everyone. Yeah. No one anticipated this. And they were like, we'll fly you home to Wisconsin just for you to come home and rest. Like, we think you should take a step back from Reverend Rhythms. If any pastor was in your position, they would take a step back, which is good advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, at the time I was like, I, that makes sense, but mm-hmm. I have absolutely no peace about that. Mm-hmm. And so I went to my board of directors and I was very transparent with them. Um, I was told them exactly what was happening, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. And I was like, I want to move forward with Reverend Rhythms. Like I want to sign this lease. And the lease was for three years. Okay. So it wasn't like, we'll just see how this goes for six months. It was, we were at least committing to three years of continuing to try to make Reverend Rhythms work. Mm-hmm. But also our president of our board of directors just left, wasn't answering phone calls, text messages, like, you know, all of this. And so I went to them and I said, I want to move forward, but I put you guys in place. I call them stop Cameron from doing something stupid board. (laughs) I love that. And so I put you guys in place. And so if you tell me to stop, I'll stop. Like, and then we can reevaluate in six months, a year, whatever it looks like, see what happens with my marriage, all of that. And so they all went into their corners and prayed and then came back and they said, let's keep going. Hmm. But what I told them also was like, I want to keep going, but I can't do it without your support. And what you need to understand is that, you know, my husband had left a lot of holes, right? Mm-hmm. Not just in our board, but also like in helping with construction, helping with the business side of Reverend Rhythms. And then also I was 22 walking through a divorce, just yeah. graduated from college, starting this new ministry with no experience. And it was like every reason that my board would have had to say, hey, let's take a step back. They were Mm -hmm. like, let's keep going. And they literally housed, fed, and clothed me for the first six months of my divorce, getting Reverend Rhythms off the ground. And my divorce went very quickly. He walked out in July and it was finalized by Christmas. Wow, that is quick, yeah. But I told my my parents, I said, I will come home at Christmas with or without my husband. Like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to fight for my marriage. I want to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I want to fight for this ministry because I see this as an attack, not just on my marriage, but also on the impact that this ministry is going to have worldwide mm-hmm. 30, 50 years down the road. Right. And, and again, I had, I cannot emphasize enough. I had no experience, <laughs> no experience to run a business, do yeah. any of this. And so then you pour a painful, really messy divorce on top of this. And I don't even, I would love to go back and ask my board directors, like, what went through your mind when, like, you just agreed to be on the board of this new ministry of this 21 turning 22 year old with no experience. And then you find out she's going through a divorce and then you still say, yeah, yes, let's keep going. And so, yeah, it was 
an incredibly painful time. And mm-hmm. it again, it was 14 hour workdays. I was working part-time job, two part-time jobs, uh-huh. teaching until 8, 9 p.m. and then doing all the business side. And it was hustle and grind uh, while walking through a divorce and also trying to fight for my marriage in a town where I don't have any family. Yeah. But my divorce also made me realize because all of my community was my ex-husband's community. Mm. Um, We were living with his parents. All of my church community was his community. All my friends were his friends because I met him the semester I moved here. Right. So it took a lot of just detangling, but it also made me realize how much support I do have and how great my community now is in Grand Junction and my roots go deep, Reverend Rhythms roots go deep here. Mm-hmm. And it, Reverend Rhythms was not started without opposition. We hit the ground running <laughs> and <laughs> got a lot of those big, you know, those big obstacles out of the way right away. Yeah. Wow. What were some of the biggest challenges that you faced just in the ministry side of it? Yeah, I think just being young and literally having no idea what I was doing mm-hmm. and learning the hard way. Yeah, I mean, 21 at the time, probably when I was 21, I felt pretty old. But looking back on it, I'm like, wow, that is super young and just like totally fresh. So yeah, I can I can just imagine how that would have felt like, ah, what am I doing? But yeah. stepping forward anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think really just being a hot mess yeah. at the time and still having to get up and figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean... The secret to success is just doing it. Yeah. Like if you don't do it, no one else is going to still like as the leader of a ministry or the leader of a company or the leader of anything, especially if it's yours, it's your vision. You're the one who birthed it. Mm -hmm. No one's going to care as much as you do. Right. No one's going to show up unless you show up and no one else is going to pull you out of bed. Mm -hmm. And so I think really just be having to start things with no experience and then also going through such a hard personal thing. Mm -hmm. Like I also had no experience on like boundaries in a workplace either of like, how do I be a leader just in general, but then also how do I be a leader while struggling with major depression and going Mm -hmm. through a divorce and like not even wanting to get out of bed, but having to get out of bed and then lead people. Right. Yeah. It's, it was just incredibly difficult and it only happened literally one day at a time, choosing to get back up, do it again and messing up and then realizing okay, that's not how we do it and reevaluating and then trying again. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it honestly, it was very, very, very difficult, but the blessings and the fruit that have come from it are incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of like mind blowing the, the things that you had to walk through. And I know you were not alone because, you know, God was walking with you and people and community. Were there any things along the way that helped you through that season, especially of depression and dealing with just like mental health struggles, you know, anything specific that you feel like uh, may be helpful for someone else that's finding themselves in a similar place. Yeah. Therapy. Yeah. (laughs) For real. Um, And I have diagnosed PTSD, anxiety and depression disorder. And that Mm -hmm. has been something I struggled with my entire life. And I will probably be a big battle for me for the rest of my life. And so it's, it's kind of a balance of like still not letting go of hope for complete healing because I do believe God heals in those areas, but also using medication and therapy and coping mechanisms to be able to coexist with it and still right. do life. Cause mm-hmm. like I said before, unless you show up for your ministry, your vision, no one else is going to. Yeah. And so it's finding how you can still show up while you're still struggling with those things and how can you make it manageable? Because for a long time, I just wanted to power through And I would just power through until I could get a break. But realizing in a position like mine, 
especially now that we're doing international things and all the different programming, there is no, there's no point where you can just stop. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just power through because there's always going to be more things to do. Exactly. So finding a rhythm, even if it means you have to scale things back, like that's okay. Mm -hmm. Finding a rhythm where you can successfully coexist with what you're going through, whether that's depression, anxiety, a failed marriage, Mm -hmm. counseling, a health crisis, like whatever it is, how do you coexist and manage what you're going through while still moving forward with your vision? Because you can't just suppress it and battle through until you get a break because there's never going to be just that break where you can deal with everything else. Right. And so taking time going through counseling, my divorce is what got me into counseling. And I went to counseling and I was like, I'm ready to deal with all the issues my ex-husband caused. And she's like, okay. And then after like a month, she's like, we dealt with them. Are you ready to deal with all your other stuff? And I was like, what? (laughs) It wasn't just him. Oh my gosh. And so, yeah, just dealing with, you know, childhood trauma and Mm -hmm. adolescent trauma, high school trauma, college trauma, adult trauma, all of the things made me a much healthier person. And so I could be a healthier leader. And I Mm -hmm. strongly believe you cannot be a good leader unless you are a healthy individual. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And getting fed into, um, and again, my mental health has been a huge, I wouldn't say obstacle, but just a huge battle um, mm-hmm. in just being able to do what I do because it is a daily struggle. Like there's not a day that goes by where it's not something I have to think of or something I have to cope with mm-hmm. or manage. Yeah. And so, yeah, therapy is just one of those things that helped me so much. And I could say that Reverend Rhythms probably would not be where it is unless I went and got help from good counselors and therapists. Makes sense for sure. And I think that's a really good, just wise word for everybody, you know, just to know that it's okay to seek, to seek help and that you investing in like your own health is going to only help the things that you're pouring into as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You can't pour, you can't pour into people. I mean, okay. You, you can pour into people regardless. Right. But what you're going to pour, you don't want what you're pouring in them to be unhealthy. And if you're unhealthy, everything you're pouring out is unhealthy. Yeah. And so if you can get healthy and confident and secure, and and it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but at least you know how to manage yourself, (laughs) um, then what you're going to pour into others is also going to be healthy and secure and confident. Mm, That's super good. Super, super good. So I'm curious now since then and kind of continuing forward and then you hit the pandemic. (laughs) So what, how did it go from, you know, having to close your doors to where you are today? I guess, how did Reverent Rhythms grow? Yeah. Honestly, just the persistence of like, we're going to do this regardless. We, so Reverent Rhythms mission statement is to use excellence in performing arts education and performance to actively demonstrate the love of Christ to our community, our nation, and our world. And so we have specific programming like our school arts, community outreaches, professional company, and overseas missions. Those are the avenues in which we do that. Mm -hmm. And so when the pandemic hit, any external stimuli or crisis or situation should not affect your mission, Mm -hmm. period. Like nothing should change your mission unless you sit down and reevaluate and say, I would like to change your mission. Right. Nothing external should cause that to vary, shift, change. And so the pandemic did not change our mission at all. Mm-hmm. All it did is changed how we could carry out our mission for a short season. Yes. And yeah. so when we couldn't hold classes, we had all, I had all of my instructors call each of their families and say, how can we be praying for you? What do you need? 
And sometimes we just needed to pray for them, pray for healing, etc. And some needed groceries. So we got them gift cards to groceries. So we still used our platform within a dance studio performing arts, those relationships that we built Mm -hmm. to serve our families. It just looked different. Yeah. And then when we opened back up our doors, we still had those relationships with our families. That's true. Yeah. And so, like I said earlier, a lot of our programming is secular, but the 90% of our ministry comes from not the business itself of being a faith-based business or ministry, but how we do business. And that's through the relationships. That's through checking in with kids before it, like when they come in and they seem a little off before they go into dance class, taking a minute to check in with them, praying with the mom in the lobby while her kids in dance class, really sitting with our scholarship families and interviews um, and using as many resources as we can to serve them because we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in order to actively demonstrate the love of Christ. And so our skill set is the performing arts. So that's the platform that we use, but it's about the relationships. So that did not change at all during the pandemic. And I told my team, I was like, if we need to love people with masks on, if we need to love people without masks on, if we need to love people with a limited capacity in classes, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. we're going to continue to do what we're doing because our mission did not change just for a short season, the how changed and that's okay. Mm -hmm. We'll reevaluate when we can open our doors back up. And so we still moved forward. And a lot of that was just doing a lot of things for free (laughs) because people couldn't pay anymore or contracts couldn't be renewed because COVID delays, all that stuff. But we just continued to do everything we could to move forward day after day. And it sucked. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the thing I, with especially my story too, of like, I want people to know that sometimes it just sucks. Like it's not glamorous. It's hard work. It's resilience. It's persistence. And it's just making it happen Mm. when you don't want to make it happen. And so during that, we continued to grow because our staff still showed up. Mm -hmm. We still move forward in the most limited capacity we could, even if that was free online classes. Yeah. All of that. And so that also meant we moved forward with our big vision. We signed our first lease in 2019 for three years, Mm -hmm. and our plan was not to renew that lease. And the landlord actually at the time when we were negotiating said, we want you to sign a five-year lease. And I said, I won't sign a five-year lease because we won't be here in five years. Mm -hmm. I'm only signing a three-year lease. And I even had one board member say, we should only sign a one-year lease. I was like, we'll still be here in one year. (laughs) But like three years and we're out. And so we... In March of last year, the landlord was, or the property management lady was talking to us and she goes, so did you find your new building yet? Cause you still said you're moving out. I'm like, nope, I have no idea where we're going. And so Just in like, March, I know it's coming, but I don't know where. Yeah. Yeah. Our lease ended in July and in March, we still had no idea where we're moving. We still did do construction. We still had to like, every, we had no idea. And so from end of March to July, we found a building our president of our board of directors and her husband purchased the building on our behalf um, for some other ministry purposes. We did construction in five weeks over the summer. Wow. That's pretty unheard of. Yeah. It is like completely unheard of. And so, but again, 14 hour work days every single day for five weeks, including Mm -hmm. Sundays and Saturdays, like hard work, not fun, but we made it happen. And so even with the pandemic, even a divorce, a pandemic, people moving so they couldn't dance for us anymore, you know, people being Mm -hmm. out sick with COVID, all of the natural ebbs and flows, we just persistently moved forward and are continuing to. And even, you know, the economy kind of sucks too. Even if you get slowed down, that's okay. But as long as you're still moving forward, your vision does not change. 
the speed at which you go may change and that's okay, but you're still moving forward despite external influences. Mm-hmm. And that really is how we continued to move forward. And we're, we're still growing and we're in our new space and we're expanding and doing all these new things. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like, there's no secret sauce. The secret sauce is just doing it. Do the work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. do the work. <laughs> yes, so true. I've I've heard that a lot where it's like, you know, even with say writing a book, they're like, really the secret is start writing and just like do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's really no, like you said, no real secret sauce or anything, but right. <laughs> super cool. So do you have any favorite stories of the impact of reverent rhythms over the past several years that just stand out to you? Yeah. One of my favorite stories to share is of this girl who came into our scholarship program and she was adopted as an infant. And because of that she had suffered some neglect before she was adopted mm-hmm. and had some cognitive um, and mental delays, dealt with some inability to regulate her emotions with like some anger outbursts, inability to recall simple information, uh, just with some memory loss, just stuff like that. And she was two years behind in reading at school. And she came into our program through our scholarship program. And mm-hmm. this was the only extracurricular she was involved in the entire year. And she was, by the end of the year, was a year ahead in reading and invited into the gifted and talented program. That is so cool. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's, there's countless studies out there that show the benefits of physical exercise, mentally, emotionally, physically on youth, as far as like cognitive development, balance, coordination, mood regulation, all that. And then there's equally on the other end, the same studies with music and the creative outlet. And so when you combine them Mm -hmm. in youth, that physical component and that creative component, and then also in an environment where you have mentors who care about you, mentors who are checking in with your mental health. That's huge. Yeah. Care about your well-being, And then also the spirituality and you invite Mm -hmm. God in there to move and through worship and connecting with your identity in Christ. I mean that like the benefits are, you can't, you can't even number them. And so, yeah, that's so cool. We see a lot of stories like that, especially it's powerful in our scholarship program where you have donors giving to students who literally could not afford it otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so they're coming in on the scholarship, the only way that they're able to have the means to take dance classes. And then they're reaping all these benefits and having transformative stories. That's one of my favorite student ones. Mm -hmm. I was also just in Swaz. I was in Africa for five weeks. I just got back a week and a half ago, I think. Oh, cool. I feel like I saw that as your um, email, like autoresponder. I was like, so cool. Yeah. So we're building a dance program in Uganda, Africa, partnering with Father to the Fatherless Ministries. And so I was doing, I went there last year. And then this year, I was just continuing the work there, teaching classes, making plans for the physical studio there, all of that. And then I was also invited down to Swaziland, South Africa, to teach at uh, Hosea's Heart Ministry with girls who are rescued from human trafficking situations. And I got to teach an entire week-long dance intensive specifically targeted and focused towards that demographic. Mm, And with these workshops that I've done before, I've seen that people have a lot of breakthrough, whether it's through worship dance, through improvisation, through, you know, a modern class, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it may be just with their body image and self-confidence. It could be a spiritual breakthrough. We've seen that. I like, I've seen that happen before, but in this week intensive with these girls in Swaziland, 
I can't even describe the breakthroughs that they had and that they were able to articulate. It was incredible, like processing through trauma and regulating emotions and learning to worship the Lord through dance for the first time. Mm -hmm. It was so powerful on every level from like worship dance to just like a ballet technique class. And so I felt like I was truly able to use all of my skill sets as a teacher in one week with a very sensitive demographic that has always been heavy on my heart for ministry purposes with immediate spiritual fruit. Wow. Like just so crazy. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's another, just another highlight. Yes. And so recent too, which Definitely is so seen. fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. I'm curious, just while we're on missions, mm-hmm. what was the first connection that you had to doing international mission work? And then it sounds like obviously it's growing and continuing to, mm-hmm. you know, put down roots as well. So that's super exciting. Yeah. So in 2018, when I founded Reverend Rhythms, the goal was always for it to be international. I had just assumed that that would be through our professional company getting big enough one day to tour, like maybe internationally, like tour 10, 15 years down the road. Mm -hmm. Apparently that was not what God had in mind. (laughs) We might do that as well. That's still the plan, but uh, Valley Magnificat was touring in Grand Junction and we were opening for them. Oh, cool. And there was this man who had a table in the lobby just because he was invited to, his name is Matthias Malumba and he's the founder father to the fatherless. And he saw our company perform and was just blown away. And he's like, I can't believe that you guys are in Grand Junction. Like that's so cool. And then ask more about Reverend Rhythms. We missed, we honestly missed the entire second act of Ballet Mag's show because we were in the lobby talking. <laughs> uh-huh. And he's like, you should come to Africa to teach. And I was like, interesting. Okay, we can talk about it. And then we met a week later for coffee, mm-hmm. passed an entire long-term vision of like this whole program that we're growing there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Two months later, I was in Africa. That's so teaching. amazing. And so our goal is to build a studio there, potentially train people up on the ground to teach classes, but ultimately open it up through an application process for performing artists from all around the world to be able to come and teach there, stay at the guest house, learn African jazz from the community, teach their specialty, and then really we'll be able to pull from maybe about 10 plus surrounding villages for those dance classes, have performances, Mm -hmm. recitals for the kids, uh, big events for the sake of evangelism. That's so, so incredible and really exciting to see it starting to to move forward, I guess, with being able to go back and, you know, Mm -hmm. start setting some plans in place for, like you said, studio space. That's so fun and really, really exciting. So love your heart just for reaching people and helping transform lives Mm -hmm. through the arts and just through, like you said, relationships, which is what it ends up boiling down to. I feel like no matter what our gifting is or our avenue, it's like... It's that connection and those those relationships that are so powerful. So one thing that you wrote in kind of our like pre-interview stuff was the idea of being a mentor as well to young women and or just to women. And I'm curious what that looks like for you and kind of why that struck a chord with you and kind of has been part of your your vision. Yeah. So I was given really unique opportunities just whether it was like through teaching at a different dance, like a, yeah, another dance studio and having connections with teens and middle schoolers who really connected with me and wanted to, you know, get coffee on the weekends and hang out and their parents being like, Hey, like they're going through a really rough season. Mm -hmm. Like, can you mentor them essentially? And at the time I'm like, I'm 20. No, (laughs) (laughs) I can't mentor your teenager, but 
I ended up, you know, just hanging out with them and pouring into them and <laughs> kind of taking on like that big sister role. And then I've had incredible mentors and I've since starting Reverend Rhythms, I've always had like one specific mentor who pours into me. I meet regularly with. And that's inc- yeah, that's so good. Who holds me accountable for my goals and stuff like that. And then I also have a lot of like business mentors and ministry mentors who I surround myself with a lot of wise people yeah. who are much older than me. Because as wise as I may be, I still am only 25. Mm-hmm. And so you can still only gain. I've had a lot of experience in 25 years, but I'm still only 25. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of people who have done what I've done. They've done a lot more than what I've done. They've seen people do it really wrong mm-hmm. and seen people do it really right. So I have a huge value for mentorships in general. And I choose to surround myself with people who are where I want to be mm-hmm. and who I trust to tell me no and to hold me accountable and be like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> or like my board, for example, the how I call them the stop camera from doing something stupid board. Yes. They know that they can, they ask me tough questions or for example, even when I wanted to start the Africa program, they were on board like right away essentially, <laughs> but they didn't act like it. They nice. asked me every like devil's advocate question. And then after I answered them at length and defended like why I wanted to and why I believed it, they're like, oh yeah, okay, like, go ahead. <laughs> but it's good because they're making you process through and really exactly. be like, have you thought through all the things? Yeah, that's yeah. good. And I truly believe, very passionate about the fact that discipleship is at the heart of what God calls the church to do mm-hmm. and to be and to be modeled after. And so even any of like my employees or team members, stuff like that, I always tell them like, I will invest into you as a person as if you're going to stay here forever. Yeah. Like Reverend Rhythms is your long-term career with the expectation that it's probably not. Right. There's going to be a few people that it will be, Uh right? But with the expectation that it's okay if you leave after a year, it's okay if you leave after six months or two Mm -hmm. years, you know, when you're called to the next thing or this is temporary for you, that's okay. But I'm going to invest into you you know, uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, as a member of our team, as if you're going to be here forever, because then that's stuff that you can bring to the next team that you work for. And so the idea of mentorship for me has kind of shifted. I used to mentor like a lot of teenage girls and even middle school girls and has now much more focused to just investing in my team Mm -hmm. um, and just being available also, maybe way less formal, but just being available, connecting them with other resources, pouring into them in different capacity. But that's only because I have amazing mentors who pour into me. And again, that is, I think if you're in any sort of leadership position, you need people who will pour into you and hold you accountable. I think that's also yes a huge one. Such a huge part of it. And this gets me really excited because <laughs> I'm like, yes, this is so good. Um, and I mean, it shows, I feel like it so shows in you being 25 years old and like <laughs> God bringing you to this point. And I think it shows that you value that wisdom that you can gain from, from people who have gone before because other people have walked it. It's like it accelerates the pace mm-hmm. that maybe reverent rhythms is able to take because you're you're taking you know someone's 30 years of experience or 50 years of experience and able to apply it to what you're doing right. which is so cool i'm like yes i love this such yeah. such good wisdom and i think often with creative people as well artists dancers the whole nine yards we often feel like we have to reinvent the wheel yeah because we're creative so even if it's a show idea or a production or like whatever right. or business we feel like we have to be 
original and unique. And yeah, there's a place for that. Mm -hmm. Like Reverend Rhythms is unique. It is not very similar to a lot of other ministries that are in the same industry. But that doesn't mean that I have to reinvent the wheel with every single thing we do. Mm -hmm. And by having people who've done it before or have resources with people who've done it before, you can save your time and energy to truly be creative and reinvent the wheel where you actually need to and want to and are called to Mm -hmm. versus demanding unnecessary, redundant creativity from yourself where you don't need it. Oof, that is so good. Yes. And I love what you said about how different mentors are in different areas. So, you know, you have your business mentors and maybe more just like life and like faith that that's good to have multiple people that they may be super great in that area and, you know, looking to them for that as well. So yeah, super good. And then when you said that, you know, you basically pour into your staff and your team, like as if they're going to be there forever. I think that really shows also kind of the heart of God and that abundance mindset, you know, and the sense of it's not a competition and it's not like this, if I pour into you and then you leave, then like I've lost something or whatever, you know, because I think it's so easy to be in that place. Even as believers, we can get kind of caught up in that mentality of, well, I don't want to give them everything because they're, if they're just going to leave. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It can get very I, insecure. I think it, that comes from a place of insecurity and I've struggled with that as well for yeah. sure. But ultimately, even with our students, so our three big values as a ministry are stewardship, excellence, and relationships. Mm-hmm. And with the stewardship is whether a student comes in for just one trial class or they come in and they end up, they come in as a two-year-old and they end up being a professional dancer with us one day. Like they're there for their whole life, yeah. right? We're going to steward those opportunities with them the exact same. Mm-hmm. And it's what you're saying is it's not a loss is because right. all that matters, all you're all we're accountable for is the stewardship of that opportunity with that person. Mm-hmm. And it creates just a different culture of people knowing that they're loved, they're valued and that they matter um, mm-hmm. and that they're worth it because yes. I'm not investing in them because they're a Reverend Rhythms employee. Their proximity to me in my workplace allows me the like opportunity to invest in them, but I'm investing in them because they're, they're valuable. And Mm -hmm. I believe that they have skills and talents that are going to impact the kingdom in the world and that they're worth it. And if that's in our circle, then we'll be blessed by that. And if that's in someone else's circle, then they'll be blessed by that. Right. But either way, I'm only responsible for the stewarding well, the opportunities and resources that I'm given, whether that's for a day or 10 years. It's the same to me. So good. Yes. I feel like I want to go back when I'm editing and like take notes because that's (laughs) so, so good. Such great truth right there. Totally like could just like leave it there, but I will go a couple more questions. (laughs) Um, One is just thinking back to that 21 year old you, which is really not that long ago, which is kind of crazy, but, (laughs) but you have come a long way since then. What advice would you give your 21 year old self? Just relax. Yeah. I was just so, I think I was really hurting from a lot of things. And some of that was my divorce for sure. But I think more of the divorce just unveiled many other layers of years of suppressing trauma and emotions. And so, like I said earlier, my divorce got me in therapy. And then once I was in therapy, I was able to deal with things from my marriage, but then also all my other issues. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the way I did relationships, the way I did business, the way I did ministry was just me avoiding 
what was actually going on inside. And it was not healthy. And thankfully, people who've been with me from like day one have been very forgiving of the learning curve of leadership that I'm still going under. Uh But I think if I could have just told myself to slow down, I'm not in a rush, Mm -hmm. feel what was going on and allow myself to process, I would have been a much healthier leader much early on. Mm -hmm. And not just for the people I'm leading, but also just for myself. Yeah. So yeah, all that to say, just slow down, feel what's going on. You're not in a rush and you're not going to get there sooner than you're supposed to get there. It's Mm -hmm. just, yeah, just chill out, relax, (laughs) breathe, enjoy the process. Yep. Yeah. Super good. Yeah. I was just recently listening to something that was, they were saying like, we get this message all the time in life that, you know, we wasted time or that there's not enough time and kind of that, you know, God is, he's outside of time. And he talks about um, restoring the years that the the locusts have eaten. Mm. Is that the, the verse? Yeah. <laughs> but the idea of like, we can't, like you said, we're going to be there when we're supposed to be there and when God has appointed for us to be there. So yeah, mm. I love that. Just, it's okay. Calm yeah. down, <laughs> slow down <laughs> and relax. Yeah. And kind of similarly, do you have a word or advice, encouragement, something like that, that you would like to share with other artists right now? Yeah, I and I had made some notes about this in the pre-podcast uh, questionnaire yes. of just the temptation of comparison. And mm-hmm. if we can let go of comparison, which is so common for I think women in general, but also mm-hmm. performing artists, because you're also you're growing up in most studio cultures of comparing yourself to what is the standard whether that's body image, that's Mm -hmm. long lines, that's ability to pick up choreography, you can move like this or like that. We are raised and really like indoctrinated in the dance culture to compare ourselves. Exactly. It's kind of used as like a motivation tactic. Exactly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is exactly motivation tactic. And I think often we can be selfishly hold on to the art of comparison because mm-hmm. it either L1 elevates us above someone else. So it's giving up, we're gaining our confidence boost and our self-worth because we're comparing ourselves to others and we're better. Mm-hmm. Or we're allowing it to be our motivation to success because we aren't measuring up. And either way, that has a really selfish root of either we're better than others, so that's why we're hanging on to comparison, or we're not good enough and that's our motivation to achieve. Yeah, so true. There's lots of information out there on fear of failure versus motivation to succeed with athletes in general. And it's way healthier and there's a much higher success rate with athletes who have a motivation to succeed versus fear of failure. And I think that comes in with comparison. If your motivation is just to be as good or better than X, Y, and Z versus actually being secure in who you are and your motivation to succeed is being better than you were yesterday and to be the best that you can be for a representation of excellence of yourself, of who God created you to be. Not excellence of the industry, not excellence of the best person in your class, not excellence of whatever the industry standard is, but excellence of it is the best you can be because you're applying Mm -hmm. yourself, you're working hard, you're demonstrating self-control and discipline and good like character values speaks way more than 
comparing yourself to either be better than someone or as your motivation to succeed. And if we can let go of that as artists, what we were talking about earlier of that freedom that comes through walking with Christ versus the freedom of the world. Yeah. If you can just be free to not compare yourself, just to exist, create freely without worrying about it being perfect, what it looks like. This is like, I I mean, you're getting my whole spiel that I give in my improvisation classes. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> just your unique ability to create that no one else has, that God yeah. has implemented in you from when he created you. Your ability to connect with him is different than someone else's ability to connect with him. And that is unique to you. And we lose that creativeness, that individuality, and that uniqueness when we pick up that art of comparison. Mm, yes. So, so true. So good. And I think super needed for each of us. And it's, it's like, even when we know that it's almost like a daily reminder Yes, to come back to that place of like, where am I, where am I working from? Where am I operating from? Right. Yeah. And I only preach that not because I succeeded and can check that off my transformed list, <laughs> but because I'm still like living it. And it is even with a business, like Ah. there's so many times when I feel like I've sacrificed reverent rhythms, true like potential because I'm comparing it to what is over here of what Mm. I think it should look like. And if, again, the viewers can't see, but I'm holding up my hands. (laughs) Yeah. If you are like, if you're comparing it to what's over here and that's all you're focused on, but you, what your vision and your path is supposed to be way over here with way more potential of what God's calling you to do, you're never going to reach that if you're still focused on what you think it should look like. Oh, yes, that's true. Whether that's productions, whether that's classes, whether that's your staff, whether that's finances, mm-hmm. costumes, whatever it may be in the performing arts world. If you're constantly worried about what it's supposed to look like from someone else's perspective and measuring mm-hmm. up to a standard that God did not give you then you're never going to reach the potential of what God actually has for you as an individual, as a ministry, as a business, as an organization. And so you're selling yourself short by, again, picking up that art of comparison because mm-hmm. you refuse to let it go. Yeah, exactly. Just have to, yeah. just have to let it go and give mm-hmm. it to the Lord. And <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, this has been so, so good and just so like refreshing and filling, I feel like for me, and I know it will be to everyone that gets to listen and all the friends joining us on the other side of this. Yes. And my last question that I love to ask just for fun is what is one of your favorite things right now? I love going on hikes with my dog. Oh, yeah. Yep. Every like free weekend that I have, I try to just get out. I love alone time and I'm very introverted and because I have such an extroverted job, which I do, like, I love connecting with people, but that about caps my capacity for people interaction. So my alone uh-huh. time, I really like spending just with my dog and being outside, being something active and yeah, just enjoying God's creation and some good alone time. And you're in a good place for it too. I feel like there's yes. probably a lot of great hiking and trails near Grand Junction. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. And then awesome. I, I also wanted to add to um, just for all of our listeners, uh, if everyone, anyone is interested, we are hiring uh, company dancers right now. And we have apprenticeship positions open as well as accepting auditions for our trainee program. Awesome. So if you're learning about Reverend Rhythms and you're like, oh, that's so cool. I want to go hiking in Colorado with Cameron and her dog and dance for Reverend (laughs) Rhythms. You can. (laughs) Yes. Love it. Yes. And that leads me to my... Last little bit is just what is the best way for people to connect with you and Reverent Rhythms and also maybe to learn more about those opportunities? 
Yeah. So all of audition and everything Reverent Rhythms is listed on our website, which is reverentrhythms.com. That's R-E-V-E-R-E-N-T-R-H-Y-T-H-M-S.com. And then we're also on Facebook and Instagram as Reverent Rhythms School of the Arts and Reverent Rhythms Dance Company. Awesome. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram too. You can just find me Cameron Cunningham uh, when you pull it up and you see lots of pictures of Africa, my dog and my cat. You'll know it's me. Perfect. Yes. (laughs) That's a good description. I love it. It's so good. Well, Cameron, this has truly been a joy just to get to spend this time with you. And I just pray that you guys are blessed and continue to see just all that fruit coming from the work that you've been putting in and just continuing to be faithful. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Wasn't that such a good conversation with Cameron? I loved hearing her heart behind Reverent Rhythms, and I'm so thankful that she was willing to share her story with us today. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to subscribe as well as rate and review the show so that other people can find it as well. Also, if you want to be a part of helping to make this podcast possible and continue into the future, check out our Patreon community. Our patrons are such an incredible support for the show, and they get access to exclusive bonus content. You can go to our website and click on Patreon at the top of the page. And speaking of our website, all of the links from today's show, the full show notes, and additional resources are available at creativeimpactpodcast.com. Y'all get ready because we have some incredible conversations coming your way in the next several weeks. It's going to be so good. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. Until next time, remember that you were designed to create. You were made to inspire. Continue living with purpose and making an impact. See you next time, friends.